get ready to go into the word of God. The stage has already been set through worship. Amen. That we can be able to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ in a way um, that we never have before. I'm getting my Charles Stanley on this morning. Got my table out. Amen. Anybody that's been that watched church on TV long enough, you have encountered um, the Reverend Dr. Charles Stanley, a man that preaches the word of God. He'll cut you and encourage you at the same time. And you won't even know that you're bleeding because he does in such a smooth way. He sits at a round table and just opens up the Bible and just talks. So you just have a simple conversation with you. Uh, so I don't have my chair just yet. Amen. But we're going to see how this table go. And I may add a chair up here as well. Grab your Bibles and go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 again I thank God for our music ministry I thank God for Minister Sheree Ali for ushering us into the presence of the Lord our praise team our musicians our media team it's been a year um, that we've been rocking together and doing this virtual sanctuary thing we learn something new every week but I tell you this from the bottom of my heart I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else um, but these fine men and women of God we have been flexible we've made changes we've done this we've done that uh, but man we have done it and we've work together as a team amen and during a time like this you need a good team you need a solid team um, to be able to get things done and I thank God for my team I thank God for my team I'm um, Galatians chapter 6 verses 2 and 3 just go ahead and get there and just stay there I'm going to come back and read it um, in just a second Galatians chapter 6 um, let's go ahead and start at verse 1 verses 1 through 3 um, is where we're going to be let's pray Father we thank you now um, for your goodness, for your kindness, for your grace, and for your mercy. Um, God, we just thank you for being who you are. As we come to your word this morning, we come um, as empty vessels ready to be filled, ready to be encouraged, ready to be challenged, ready to be rebuked, ready to be corrected, um, Lord God, from your word. We know that even in correcting us with your word, Father God, you do it because you love us. You do it because you care about us, not for where we are now, but for where we are going in the future. And that's why you do what you do with your word. So we've already made up in our minds, Father God, that whatever you ask of us, whatever you whatever you challenge us, whatever you're calling for us to do, according to your word, that we're going to do just that. We're going to do just that. And we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. We're in part three of our series entitled Finding Comfort in Community. You've been kicking it with us um, for the past few weeks. You know that we have made a shift um, as a church into small groups. We have suspended our midweek Bible study for a few months so that we can be able to dig deeper and to be able to make space for small groups for us to be able to connect and build um, community for us to be able to discover um, the diversity that we have amongst the body and find different commonalities that we have in common. Not just Jesus, not just salvation, not just our love for the church, but just different things that we may find that we have in common. As we begin to build genuine relationships. I shared with you um, the week, um, two weeks ago, I shared with you last week our vision for small groups and I'm repeating it um, intentionally and purposely um, because I want you to add that to your vocabulary. I want you to add our vision uh, for small groups to your mind that you can be able to say it just like you say our vision for the church to bring help to our city, restoration to our community and hope to our world. Our goal when it comes to small groups is not just for us just to have to come together and have a good time but we want to be intentional when we connect together in small groups here's our vision for small groups to be well connected 
doing life together, growing together, praying together, and building relationships together, growing together, praying together, and building relationships together. If you notice in each of those three statements, there's a word that's common there. It is together. We want to, we want to be able to do life together. I say this now, and I will continue to say it until the day that I die, that we were never meant to do life in isolation. We were never meant to be long ranger Christians to be able to do stuff on our own, to be able to go through life and navigate through life on our own. No, you go back to Genesis. God told Adam, he said it's not good for you to be alone. You need someone that can be suitable to you. God realized, because get this, even in that story, Adam had God, but God still understood and realized that Adam has me, but he needs someone in the human form. He needs someone there with him on earth. And so it is, if God did that with Adam, God also wants you and I to be able to do life together. I know, Pastor, I don't know about all of this together stuff. Pastor, I'm about me, myself, and I, and just doing what I need to do on my own. Can I tell you something? That's not God's design for your life. That's not God's design for my life. His design for us is for us to do life together, to grow together, to pray together, and to build authentic relationships together. I realize this, that as a church, as a church, as a church, it is so important that we don't get caught up in our numerical growth that we forfeit our relational growth. That we don't get caught up, we don't get caught up in how many butts we have in the seats on a Sunday morning that we forfeit the space, we forfeit creating space for us to be able to connect together outside of a Sunday morning because once again, I'm kind of recapping and moving forward at the same time. It is so important that we understand that it's only so much you can be able to learn about your pew partner sitting next to them in service. There's only so much that you guys can be able to talk about as worship is going on as the word is going on there's only so much that you can be able to dialogue about there has to be a space that we create as a church where we can be able to have our time of corporate gathering God knows I miss us coming together God knows I can't wait until we're back together again and I'm actually preaching to people and to hear mother Simon say hi and to hear brother Cornelius have a whole conversation with me there from the back I can't wait for that moment when we're all back together again but I just can't hang my hat on the Sunday morning experience. I have to realize that I need to do life with people outside of church because if I were to ask you right now, what do you know about your pew crew? What do you know about the person that you sit next to in church? What do you know about the person that you serve with in ministry? It may be little that you know about them. You know that you have that common ground, that you all are serving in the same ministry. But what else do you know about them? Do you know about their dreams? Do you know about their struggles? Do you know about their hopes? Do you know anything intimately about their lives? Many of us would answer that question and say, absolutely not. All we know is we show up and we're late for church together every week, even, even online. We can't get there on time, but we show up at the same time together. It is life outside of Sunday. It has to be that we create a space as a church that we make room for us to be able to grow together in, in, in intimate spaces to build community. Because the truth of the matter is this, we grow bigger by growing smaller. 
Let me say it again. We grow bigger by growing smaller. It does not matter how many bus in the seats that we have, that we can be packed to capacity and do multiple services. But just because we have a large number of people sitting in the pew, it does not mean that there is relational growth and a relational maturity taking place. It has to be that this model of small group is not new. It's not new. I know we've seen a lot of Caucasian churches do it. I know we've seen a lot more African-American churches do it. But it's been in the Bible the whole time. We just wasn't seeing it in the right perspective. It's been there the whole entire time. Look in the book of Acts. They did not just come and meet in the temple, but they came to each other's houses. They, they, were, they, were, they were reading about the apostles' teaching. They ate together. Somebody was in the kitchen cooking some greens and had some turkey necks in it and had some hot water cornbread and took a chicken out from the yard and put the chicken in the, in the skillet and fried it up and had a sweet potato pie and some red Kool-Aid. There was some eating going on. There was some fellowship going on. They did life together. So this is no new idea for the church. This is something that's been going on that we're now just catching on to it. That God, I believe, that God used this time of the pandemic to cause us to realize that we grow bigger by growing smaller. No matter how big God allows whole world to get, we need to have space where people can be able to connect. We need to have space where people can be able to connect. We need to have space. We must create space for people to be able to connect beyond Sunday morning because here it is. There are some that will get lost in the crowd. They'll show up on Sundays. We know their face, but we don't know their name. They're not involved. They're not engaged. In fact, they are facing a hellish battle on their own because they have not connected. Please, man, please hear me when I say this, that as we're making this a part of our DNA as a church, some people will miss out not because the opportunity wasn't presented, because they choose not to be a part. Don't get mad at me. Don't go nowhere. Don't go nowhere. Stay right there. Stay right there. Some will miss the opportunity to be able to connect in small groups because we just didn't see how we could be able to fit in. We just wouldn't give it a try. There were so many obstacles that we allowed, maybe personal preference, that we allowed to stand in the way that stopped us from being able to build some authentic relationships. So let me encourage you again. If you have not already, go ahead and sign up for a small group. Email the Department of Education, D. EPT of education at hopewellmb.org and get connected and get engaged and get involved and get and get amongst a group of people that you can be able to grow with, that you can be able to pray with and build relationships with. Because get this, even though, even though, even though, even though you may be sitting in the building, you may be sitting amongst one to 200 people that you won't feel lost in the pew because you're connected to a small group. You know, there's some people that can be able to check in on you when you haven't showed up for church. There's the people that can be able to see if everything is okay. There's some people that can be able to pray for you when you can't get to the good shepherd. All right. Folks that can be able to grow with you, build relationship with you, and pray with you. Here... In our text, and I, I, I believe that what I'm sharing today, I know I'm not going to finish. Uh, that's the blessing about being a pastor. I don't have to be in a rush because I get all the time that I need. Praise God. Uh, I'm not going to hold you too long today, but I know I'm not going to finish today um, because as I was preparing this message for this week, um, I had one scripture in mind, but the Holy Spirit brought something else. Um, and so I know this is from the Lord, and I want to take my time in sharing it because it's going to challenge us 
It's going to convict us, but it's also going to correct us at the same time. If you and I, if we as a church, Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, are going to take on the model of small groups, we have to ensure and make sure that space has been created within our small groups and our church body at large mm -hmm. for people to be vulnerable. All right. If we're going to be serious about small groups, if we're going to be serious about people being well-connected, if we're going to be serious about people building relationships together, praying together, and growing together, we're going to have to create space and have a welcome mat that people can be able to lay down their anchor and be vulnerable. Here it is in Galatians chapter 6. You should have it by now. Verses 1 through 3, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, some versions say spiritual, so gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Mm -hmm. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens in the way, and in this way, uh, and, in this, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important, God help me today. If you think you are too important to help somebody else, you are fooling yourself. You are not that important. Look at Paul talking today. He said, if you think, if you think, if you think, if you think, if you think you're too important to help somebody else, you're only fooling yourself. Paul said, you ain't all that in the bag of chips. You are not everything that you think that you are. Right. That's what he's saying. If you think that you're too good to help somebody else. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church of Galatia because there's been some bad teaching going on. There's been some false teaching going on. There were some Judaizers that were going around and challenging the saints at Galatia. And they were telling them, hey, 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 this cannot be the case that this man went on the cross and died for all of your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. And there's nothing you have to do. There's no work. There's nothing required of you. There has to be some payment plan that you got to sign up for uh, to be able to really be a believer of Jesus Christ. And so Paul comes in almost in some sense with an attitude trying to figure out why the church of Galatia are taking on this type of teaching when they know that salvation is in faith in Christ alone and that there is nothing that you and I can do to be able to earn our salvation, right. that it is in him alone, that we, that, that we cannot even take any part in it because if we take any part in it, then we'll start boasting about what we did for us to be saved and what we had to do and what we did and what we said and how we behave. And so Paul scratches all of that and say our faith, our salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone that what he did on the cross that we're going to celebrate next week and probably shout and dance about it was done once and for all. There is nothing required of us but ourselves and our total obedience unto Christ. Oh, God, but because there's been bad teaching when it comes to salvation. People believe that you have to wear a certain thing. Certain people believe that you can't do this or you can't do that. There are certain things. I don't know why I'm talking about this. There are certain things that you should not partake in, that you should not do, certain behaviors that you should not have. But here it is. When you fall in love with Christ, it's not rules or legalism that I'm looking for. But because I love him, there are certain things I'm not going to do because I love him. Because I 
love him. There are certain ways I'm not going to behave because I love him. There are certain things that I won't entertain because of my love for him, not out of legalism, not out of rules, but merely out of love. Mm-hmm. Wow. Paul writes this book. He goes to chapter 5, and he shares with them, y'all over here tripping, and y'all got freedom in Christ. <laughs> Y'all over here tripping, and y'all have freedom in Christ. The Judaizers thought, and they taught them that if you were going to be saved for real, you have to go by the Mosaic law. If you're going to be saved for real, that you were going to have to be circumcised. But Paul lets them know, you got freedom, boo. You've been free. You you have been free indeed. You have freedom. And not only do we have freedom, but he lets them know that now you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Paul, let's know you got access, you got a helper, you have the paraclete that comes alongside of you to work in you those things that you cannot do on your own, to help you with those things that you cannot succeed in on your own. He's letting them know, get rid of that bad teaching and remember the freedom and the spirit that you have that's living down on the inside of you. He talks about the fruit of the spirit there. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26, it's not just good enough for us to be able to make the profession about the fruit of the Spirit. It needs to be manifested in our lives. Mm-hmm. When people come into contact with you, can they see patience? <laughs> when people encounter you, do they experience long-suffering? When people encounter you, do they experience faithfulness? When people encounter you, do they experience kindness? Do they experience self-control, goodness, gentleness? Do they experience any of these things? Or are we only saved by language and not by lifestyle? Oh, God, help me this morning. Do when they come encounter, when they encounter us, do they walk away having seen a glimpse of the master. It's not enough that you walk around with a big Bible and, and talking in tongues. I'm not, I'm not bashing my tongue talkers, uh, uh, but it's not good enough that you walk around with your big Bible and your cross on and singing spiritual songs, but you just cursed the girl out at Walmart because she gave you the wrong change. Oh, and then there was a holy hush right. in the virtual sanctuary. It's not good enough to be able to make the profession that you're filled with the Spirit of God. It's not good enough to lean on, to lean on one aspect of the Scriptures that you're saved because you have the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's all well and good, but I want to know that you're saved because I can look at your life and see goodness and see gentleness and see faithfulness and see self-control. I know I just cursed right there. When they walk away from encountering us, have they seen Jesus? Have they witnessed the Spirit of God working in and through us? I love it because Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 26. Talked about gentleness. And it's almost like he set this thing up so good. He says, now let me see if you can walk in what I've taught you. Because mm-hmm. we get to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, dear brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation Your Self. I love it. Because Paul now sets up the classroom mm-hmm. for them 
should be able to practice what they've been taught. It's a challenge for us today. Mm-hmm. How do we handle people when they sin differently than us? How do we deal with people when they sin in general? Here's what I realize. Either we overplay it or we downplay it. <laughs> I'm having a good time up here all by myself, all right, y'all. You ain't, got, ain't nobody, listen, you ain't got to say nothing. I'm having a good time by myself up here already. We either downplay sin or we overplay it. Let's make it plain. What are you talking about? When someone has fallen into sin, normally we beat people up. I never understood back in the old church that when the young lady got pregnant, she had to come and apologize in front of the church for what she had did because it, 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 it confused me, Sister Greta, because she didn't sleep with the church. And she didn't get pregnant by herself. This was not Mary Jr. that all of a sudden got pregnant. Where's her brother? They made her pregnant. I never understood why we use someone's sin to publicly shame them and cause other trifling jokers who done did stuff ain't never been caught to sit there in a place of judgment when they sin. Just ain't made this exposure yet. He says, he says, he says, if you if you come in contact, if you come in contact with a brother, it's almost to say, listen, somebody amongst you is going to be overtaken by sin. Not that they fell into sin, but man, because Paul lets us know in Galatians chapter 5 again, that's why you gotta read your Bible sense. Because when you read the Bible and the preacher is preaching, you can get excited without an organ. You can get excited without a praise team because you realize you be in tune with the word and you get excited with the word all by yourself. Because it's right there in Galatians chapter 5, around verse, around verse uh, uh, 17 or so, that Paul says that our spirit and our flesh are in constant war, battle with each other. <laughs> spirit wants to do right, but that flesh, that's a, hey, 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 one more time, let me just go ahead and do what I, let me get it out my system real quick, God, and then I'll be all good to go. He says the spirit and our flesh is always at war. So when a brother or a sister is being overtaken by sin, get this, I like, I like, I like what Paul is doing here. I like what Paul is saying here because he lets us know three things real quick. It's not going to be on the screens, but he lets, he lets us know three things real quick right here. He says that the person that's being overtaken by sin, get this, you all, should not be neglected by community. The person that has been overtaken by sin should not be exempt from what they've done. And the person that has been overtaken by sin should not be destroyed. Oh, God, I got to say this real quick. I know I'm I'm not going to finish this morning, but it's all well and good. I pick up after Easter, but I got to say this real quick. Oh, my gosh. There are so many broken people that have been destroyed by the church. Well, 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 let me back up real quick before somebody take this and want to do a long post on social media about how they've been hurt by the church. No, 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 no. I want to make a difference. Now, there was 
were some people that corrected you in love and you took that correction as them trying to right. put you down and, 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 and make you feel bad and because you were already in your fifis, you took offense to it and you walked away from the church and you bashed the church but you never came back to testify what the church did for you with benevolence, how the church showed up for you when you lost a loved one and you never tell the whole story about how they cried with you, how they labor with you, how they suffer long with you. All you want to do is tell what the church did not do and how this person hurt you, but you never tell the whole story. But back to my point I was saying originally, there are so many people that have been destroyed by the church because people within the church took their sins as bait and used it against them. Made them feel shame. Made them feel nasty. Even though what they did may not have been right, but we made them feel in such a way that they were far from God's love and forgiveness. But we got to balance it out. We got to make sure that we don't exempt people from what they have done. Oh, Slims, where are you going with this? That we don't excuse people when they have sinned and make it seem like it's okay to have a free-for-all and just do whatever you want to do. Absolutely not. Paul says, because we have grace, should we continue to sin? Absolutely not. Just because it's been made available and freely available doesn't mean that we should take advantage of his grace and mercy. But lastly, nor should they feel neglected, nor should they be overlooked, nor should they be damned, nor should they be ostracized, nor should they be looked down upon. But then what, Pastor? They should be restored. Bible talks about restored. Picture in your mind Going to your doctor and you have broken bones and they put the bones back in place to put it back into its original purpose, to put it back to its original intent, to put it back for usefulness. Mm-hmm. God's goal for those that have been overtaken by sin should be to be restored. So if that's going to happen, saints of God, that means that within small groups, within the church, we have to make space for people to be vulnerable. What do you mean by vulnerable? being vulnerable, Pastor? I mean being naked and unafraid. Now when I say naked, I'm not talking literally now. I got to say that for somebody to take what I said. The preacher over there talking about being naked. But being open to share who you are, Mm -hmm. to being free, to take a little layer of yourself and open yourself up. And here it is, saints of God, here it is. We have to be so mindful that even in small groups, even within the church, that we have to open up, we have to be able to share, we have to be vulnerable with discretion and with discernment. Right, right. You don't just say everything. You don't, you don't, you gotta, you gotta make sure you can trust folks because you will have some jokers. You will have some jokers that want to pray with you and that want to be all in your business, not to help you, but to hold what you told them against you and to bring it up to remind you of who you were and what you did. So you gotta use discretion to know what to say and how much to say and when to say it and get this and who to say it to. Even though you may be a part of a small group, you may open up to the group, but you may share some things more intimately with one other person. Because it's a mistake that we make when we don't allow space for people to be vulnerable within the church. 
Folks create their own space. And they use social media to blast all their business. And to put the naked truth out there. And I mean, baby, they unafraid too. And they will tell you everything, some stuff that you didn't even want to know. No one needed to know. But because there was no safe place for them to be able to share, because if I say it to somebody face to face, they're going to damn me. They're going to shame me. So let me go ahead and use this public space of social media and hide behind my keyboard and nobody ever see me. If we're going to adopt this model of small groups, if we're going to build real community, then we have to make space for people to be vulnerable. We need to make space for people to be vulnerable. That if they have been overtaken by sin, that they can be able to reach out to somebody within the body mm-hmm. to be able to get help from what they're in. He says, but look at this. I, I, I'm, not even ha- I'm, not even, I'm not even close to being halfway down. Let me right. just end with this and I'm going to stop. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, my title, I forgot to give you my title. My title is safe place, safe place, safe place. He says, if another another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back unto the right place. He sets the stage right there, and he gives the qualifications of the individual that is helping in the restoration process. He says, if your brother or sister is overtaken by sin, he says, you who are spiritual, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back into space. Well, pastor, what does that mean? What does it mean to be godly? What does it mean to be the mature? It means that it's somebody who, who, is, who, who is mature in the faith and it's somebody who walks by the Spirit of God that has spiritual discernment that can not only just see the symptoms, but they can pray that God will give them insight on what the root of the issue is. And they're partnering with God and with the leadership of the house to help bring about restoration in your life. I know I'm going to offend some people when I say this, but I got to say this. Immature believers have no business trying to restore anybody. All right. I'm telling you, those here in the sanctuary are going wild and crazy when I said that. I said those that are immature and they call themselves believers have no business trying to restore anybody when they have not allowed the fruit of the spirit to operate in their life. You're too short with people. You you, you can't be a part of the restoration process. You don't have enough patience. You don't have to suffer long with people yet. There's still some growth and maturity that needs to happen in your life. Needs to be somebody that walks by the spirit and they're mature in the faith. But not only Paul gives a full outline. He says you got to be God, you got to be spiritual in order to be able to be a part of the restoration process. He says, but to do it gently and humbly. You need somebody, you need somebody that can come alongside of you when you have been overtaken by sin that can be able, not baby you, but that can be able to hold you accountable, that can be able to challenge you, that can be able to push you, but there's someone that can say, you know what, we serve a forgiving God. We serve a kind God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a God that's a God of another chance. Someone that can be on their side and letting them know that you are not what you have done. In fact, Christ died for what you did. Christ died for what you said. Christ died for how you behave. You are not your sin. 
and maybe some there are going to be some consequences going to come along with it but you're not your sin we need people who will who will be a part of their process and have the, and operate in the spirit of gentleness that's some folks that's some folks they say they love God but they're just too rough they're too rough Oh, God, they're just just—they're too rough, and they rub folks the wrong way. They have good words. They have good messages, but they just don't have any tact and how to say what needs to be said. Oh, God, you already down, and you just crushed me some more about what you just said because you don't know how to say it. Yeah. Right. Person's been overtaken by sin. They don't need to be reminded of it. It's so not only... Does it need to be done gently? Mm-hmm. He says, but humbly help that person back on the right track. This is why you can't be immature and being part of the restoration process to help somebody is there and help somebody uh, uh, and bringing them back to where God wants them to be and be in their safe place. This is why you have to be spiritually mature. This is why you cannot be spiritually immature because it will be a spiritually immature person. They can have a title in church. <laughs> They can serve on boards and committees and do all that stuff. They could be 88 and a half years old and doing all of those things, but they still lack spiritual maturity. And you put them in the place of being a part of somebody's safe place and being a part of somebody's restoration process? They will think of themselves more highly than they ought to, and they will see themselves above and have a spirit of pride. Oh, I knew it. I, I, I knew they was going to fall. I knew they was going to fall into that sin. I knew it. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they just did that again. I, Lord, I, help me, Father God, because I just don't know how they keep on doing it time and time again. Oh, my gosh, this is baby number three, and they still out there doing the same thing. I bet they think the church going to throw them a baby shower. Now, I'm talking to pastor. We ain't throwing another baby shower because they keep on having children. But you forget You've been hoeing around for decades and never been called out. Oh, no. Go ahead. Oh, you, that, that, you forget? I, I know, I know you forget. And because of that, back on up just a little bit. Because in you being a part of somebody's restoration process, when they've been overtaken by sin, it should humble you and realize that, oh, my God, that could have been me if it had not been for grace. Oh, my God, that could have been me if it had not been for mercy. That's what Paul says. That's why he says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Don't come in with no big attitude. Don't come in thinking you're more spiritual. Your sin just has not been exposed yet. I know folks been, <laughs> I didn't find out about them until the other day when it happened, but folks been tripping on Derrick Jackson and, you know, the brother, leadership guru and all of that stuff, and he had shirts made, black man don't cheat, he ended up cheating on his wife and stuff. Folks been killing him, crushing him on social media. I ain't said a mumbling word. I've, I've had conversations publicly, but I guess now I am saying something else. <laughs> I ain't said a mumbling word, but here it is. I'm careful about what I say because that could have been me. That could have been me. That could have been me. So if anything, his exposure in what he's done, it was wrong for what he did. He's not exempt for what he's done, but it reminds me it could have been me. And so I'll walk a little light and I continue to cling on more to the master and pray that his spirit will work within me. That when my flesh wants to rise up in whatever the case may be, that I will lean more.
more on the spirit and not my flesh. So be careful when you open up your mouth and want to judge somebody because they've been overtaken by sin. Don't forget ye without sin cast the first stone. If, I'm done, I'll finish after Easter. If we're going to adopt this model, small groups as a church body, we got to create space for people to be vulnerable. And let me tell you this. Vulnerability starts at the top. Starts at the top. Starts with leadership. And it bleeds all the way down. When leaders move in that area, it frees up somebody else to open up their mouth and say that me too, Pastor, me too. <laughs> me too. Me, 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 me too. Mm-hmm. They won't feel isolated or shamed or damned. It was years, I shared this some time ago. It was years I struggled with watching pornography. Years. Preaching and struggling. If I was frustrated having a bad day, I watched it. If something didn't go my way, I watched it. Heck, I just watched it just to watch it. But when I was done, convicted, shamed, guilty, how does the preacher go? I wasn't pastoring yet, praise the Lord. Preach though. Go and say, hey, I need help because I struggle. People looking to me for guidance. But now the one that provides guidance needs direction. Who do I go to? Too shame to go to my pastor and talk about it. I'm afraid I might get sat down. (laughs) Don't want to tell my friends because I'm embarrassed about it. So what do I do? I walk and struggle at the same time. I continue on in it because I'm afraid of how others will view me or see me now in knowing my struggle. It wasn't until I was on the the outside sitting in my dorm at Wright Hall, I'll never forget it. That building's no longer there. I was sharing with some friends Conversation just shifted in that direction. All of us were struggling with the same thing. Never knew it, never talked about it because we were too ashamed to even share. Good friends, close friends. Too ashamed to say anything about it. Held each other accountable. When we struggled, we called each other, we prayed with each other. Held each other accountable. We slipped through the cracks on that those times. I never forget it had been a long time. This was years ago. Well, I wasn't even dating Sister Swims yet. Had a moment 
Well, I, I was just bad day, bad day, bad day. And don't you know the Lord set it up so? Tried to get on my favorite site. Internet froze up. <laughs> it ain't ever happened before. That was the wrong day for the internet to freeze up. Internet froze up. And I thought about what the scripture said. He'll make a way of escape. There is no temptation that will overtake you. He will make a way of escape. That was my way out that day. And I hadn't turned back because I said, I don't want, I don't want my future children to have this same struggle. So it ends with me now. But what helped me is when I was surrounded by other men, other godly men, other spiritual men that were able to hold me accountable and to allow me space to be open. Oh, you got a safe place. Oh, you had a safe individual in your life. Someone that you can be able to go to and talk and say, I'm struggling. It may not even be porn. It could be something else. It may be anxiety. It may be depression. But you needed someone to be there to help you. Because the truth of the matter is you feel like you're drowning and never going to come up. And the enemy will whisper in your ear and have you thinking that this is it for you. That you're no good, you're nasty, you can't be used by God. Oh, but I want to remind you what the praise team said of the, the devil is a liar and God is exalted. And he will never be defeated. Yes. I want to pray with you. I want to do something that the late those from Chicago know the late Apostle R.D. Henson. I would watch him on TV growing up. But we didn't make it a Sunday morning service. Mama and I would watch Elder Henson at the time. And he would invite those to put their hands on the screen. I want you to put your hand on your screen as a point of contact as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now, Father God, that we are not defined by our sins. We're not defined by what we've done. We're not, but we're not defined by how we behave. We're not defined by our sins. We're defined by you. You affirm us. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, oh God, that wherever your sons and daughters are, Father God, that they will confess with their mouth, oh God, their sins. You told us that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And I pray, God, they'll reach out. I pray they'll reach up and they'll reach out for help, God. They'll reach up and they'll reach out for assistance, God. That they'll reach up and they'll reach out, God, for someone to challenge them and hold them, hold them accountable, Father God. And I repeat the words again, the devil is a liar. God is exalted and you will never be defeated. He'll never be defeated. You'll never be defeated. You are an overcomer. In Jesus' name, hallelujah and amen.